you are here. On the back of the pew in front of you, there is a blue card. If you could write down some basic information on that card so we can thank you for coming, that would be great. On the back of the card, there is a spot to put prayer requests. Anyone can write a request on there, and when the offering plate passes here in a bit, drop those cards in there and they will get to the staff. For now, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of the church so you can know how to be involved. October 25th through the 26th, the student ministry will be having a Disciple Now retreat. This is for all students who are 7th through 12th grade. The cost is $25 per student. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to get to know other students and learn more about Christ. You can sign up by calling the church office or by going to fbccookville.org slash youth. This month, our Pray, Give, Go emphasis is Hope Center of Adoption. This is a great ministry partner that our church has. There are several ways we can pray, give, and go this partner. I encourage you to check out the Chronicles for more information on that. Those are the announcements I have for you today. Make sure and look at the Chronicles for other opportunities. I'm so thankful to be worshiping with you today. I pray this service would encourage you and challenge you to live more for Christ in your day-to-day life.
Fisher. I'm the interim pastor of Ethan College here at First Baptist. And if you're a guest, just want to thank you so much for coming. Um, on the pew in front of you, there's a blue card. If you could fill that out with some basic information so we could thank you for coming, that'd be great. And if you flip that card over, there's a place for prayer requests. And so anyone, guest or member, can write um, a request down there. And then as the offering plate goes by here in just a bit, drop that in there. And then tomorrow morning as a staff, we're going to get those and pray over those um, individually. Uh, and so, yeah, one announcement for you real quick. October 27th is our annual Harvest Carnival. This is an opportunity for us to outreach to our community. I mean, literally hundreds of people come to our church for the Harvest Carnival, which means we need you. <laughs> we desperately need your help to come and volunteer and love on our community that night at the Harvest Carnival. And so starting next Sunday, there's going to be sign-ups. And so go ahead and mark your calendar for October 27th at 5 p.m. All right, why don't you guys stand up and greet those that are around you? with us this morning. If you would, make your way back to your seats. Um, the choir and the praise team are going to uh, teach you a new song, so once you get to your seat, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and sit down. Uh, we're going to teach you this new song, and I'm going to ask you to uh, sing on the very last chorus of it so we can begin learning this. It's a great song called O Church Arise. It just talks about the role of the church as we take on the powers of darkness uh, and reach a world that needs Christ.
we do want to rise and let our light shine before men. Amen? Amen. Let's continue on this morning with a song called Great Are You, Lord. This won't be done in the past, but um, a great song just celebrates His greatness.
know, God is a great God. And as I've said before, as we've sung this song about the sing, he is so great and so mighty and so awesome that we cannot fully understand and comprehend God. Who knows the mind of God? Amen. But the best part about that is that we can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and we never exhaust that relationship with him. This next song is called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Just talking about the mystery of who God is and, and the, the act that Christ did for us here uh, on this earth.
that will be when we see you resurrected, uh, Lord, face to face. Uh, and God, be able to, to go with you into eternity, Lord, into your dwelling place uh, of heaven, Lord, and to spend an eternity there just doing what we're doing now, Lord, and worshiping you. Uh, Lord, I just pray for that day and long for that day and pray that, that as, we, as we walk this road of life, Lord, as we make a mess of it, uh, God, that, that we would always keep our eyes and our focus on you, Lord, knowing that, that you are our ultimate goal, our ultimate reality. Uh, and, Lord, one day we'll see you face to face and everything will be made whole and made right. Lord, just as we continue to sing this morning, may you be honored, may you be glorified as we sing your praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus, we come this morning to adore you. Lord, to adore something is to look upon it with, with, with love and with just a, mesmerize, a mesmerizing uh, gaze, Lord. Uh, just to adore you, Lord. We come this morning to celebrate your greatness, uh, to, to speak of your goodness, Lord, and to hear a word from you. So, God, now as we, as we transition this worship service to a time of, of listening, Lord, may we be as engaged in the listening as we are in the singing, Lord, uh, to listen and, and to hear your word as it's spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. church. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. You know, we started off this morning um, with the harps playing and, and Martha singing, people need the Lord, and we really need the Lord. Amen? And, and not only that, we just sang a song, that Revelation song, saying, you are my everything. Awestruck wonder at the mention of His name. I pray that as you're here this morning and, and you hear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned, it, it brings awe upon you. you. You're an awestruck wonder of that name and that He truly is your everything. He's not just your something. He is your everything. So as, we, as we've walked through in the last several weeks, journeying through together uh, a, a, a series on spiritual disciplines, knowing God and knowing God deeper should be the passion on every one of our hearts. We use the word spiritual discipline. Spiritual resonates with us really well in this culture. The word discipline probably. How many of you love discipline? I mean, like, you're going to line up and just discipline me, please. It is one of those words that when we say it, it may not carry a, a, a really endearing, loving feeling because discipline can be looked at in a negative context. But also, discipline can be very positive. We will not achieve anything of greatness unless we are truly disciplined. We watch athletes play at all levels, and I'm telling you, no athlete rises to the top unless they have had some discipline in their life. I was speaking with a, <clears throat> with a couple here this morning about, about their son that runs. You'll never run the race. You'll never be able to run with endurance and be able to compete at a level where you can cross the finish line and, and really well unless you are disciplined in your body and you're really bringing things into alignment as you live your life. So discipline is, is good in the physical sense if we're going to arrive and achieve certain places in our life. But let me just say, spiritually speaking, we need some discipline in our lives. We, we need to bring ourselves to the, to the altar of God, and we need to surrender ourselves before Him and say, Lord, change in me. That which needs to be changed. I want you to, to tweak in my life the things that need to be tweaked. I want you to transform my mind, bring renewal to me through your word and, and through the work that only you can do to change and transform me. And that means that we have to be disciplined to present ourselves to God and, and, and passionate about that. 
So as we look at what spiritual disciplines mean and what knowing God deeper, because I, as a pastor, desire for all of you to know God more personally, more intimately, deeper. I want, and I'm just, we throw that out there. It can be a kind of a buzzword today. I want to go deeper. Well, do you really want to know God in a deep way? Do you really want to have that endearing relationship where you're growing in likeness to Him, where you're growing in deeper love to Him, where you know Him, you know the power of Him, and you're passionate about your relationship with Him? I hope you do. I hope everyone in this room longs to have that kind of relationship with God. So this morning, I want to look at an aspect that needs to be tweaked in our life in order for us to grow knowing God more, passionately, completely, and that would be stewardship. Now, I I think of different things when I hear the word stewardship. One of the things when I think of, and I'm in a Christian context and church, and I hear the preachers preaching on stewardship, all of a sudden think about the money, and he wants mine. And that's not what this sermon's about. Uh, However, I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He owns it all anyhow. It's just good stewardship to to give everything you've got back to God. We'll talk about that this morning. But what this sermon is about this morning is us being good stewards of the life that God's given us. We sang a minute ago, breath and living water. He is the breath within us. He gives us the breath of life. He's created us. He's called us. He's equipped us. And in that, we should, we should want to steward our life well. We should want our life to be in good stewardship, managed well for the glory of God. So I want to talk about that. And I want to read a text from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 and 17. So if you would, stand with me and let's read that together. The Word of God says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your word, God. I pray that you would use this passage, Lord, this morning, your text, your word to our hearts, God, to bring transformation and change in our lives. God, may we not live our lives so connected to that which is passing away, but to you who are eternal. So, Lord, help us be good stewards of our life. Speak into my heart this morning. Speak into your people's heart this morning, the things that we need to do today, right now what we need to surrender to you so that we can be in a passionate pursuit of a deeper relationship with you, knowing you better, surrendering all that we have to you, stewarding our life well. Move, Father, as only you can. God, at the end of this time, we'll give you the praise and the glory for the work you do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. If we're going to steward our life well, if if that's our goal, to be a good steward of our life, there's got to be some simplicity coming in our life. Can, Can you agree with me that our lives are pulled in many different directions? There are a lot of things tugging at us, pulling at us. There are a lot of distractions in this world. We're being pulled in many directions. I believe God never intended for us 
to be pulled in so many directions as we are. But the reason we're so pulled in our life is because we've got a duplicity of direction instead of a simplicity of a life. And James says in his book that he writes, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It, it, it helps us to get a central focus, to get a, a mindset on what matters, to really zero in, hone in, and focus in on being the person that God's called us to be. However, in the world that you and I live in today, there are multitudes of things pulling us. There is noise coming from every direction to grab our attention and to pull us in that direction. So we, we've got to recognize what the simplicity of life would look like. I, I long for a more simple life. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, wouldn't it be just really good to have just this narrow focus and this simple life this, this life which is not interrupted by all the noise of the world, but is focused in on what really matters. And at the end of the day, I can look at you, you can look at me and say, today we did what matters. We've been about today that which matters for eternity's sake and for the long haul. And, and that's what we should be focused on. But I'll tell you, there are things in this world that pull us against, where, against that being a reality in our life. And, and one of those things that is, is a great pull on our life is the possessions that we have in our life. Now, there is a great pursuit among the, the people that I'm in the room with and the people that we live in this world with. I, I don't care what ethnicity you are. I don't care what corner of the world you live in. There, I've been around the globe. Many of you have too. You've seen the, the, the different places in the world. And, and you recognize, as I do, that there is a major pull on our lives to gain things, to possess the possessions of this world. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of our efforts are spent to gain possessions, to have these. We have an insane passion in our world today to have possessions. And the reason that we have this insane passion to have so many possessions in our world today is because we've lost the passion for our relationship with Jesus. See, the woman at the well was sitting there, and, and Jesus interrupted her life. She was going to the water every day to get water from that well. And he said, if you'll drink of me, you'll, of living water, you'll thirst no more. He had that which was necessary for her life to fill the void that she was attempting in the physical to fill, he could handle in the spiritual. There are many in this world, probably many in this room, who are searching out many avenues to be filled and feel successful and complete, and we're doing it in the world instead of in the spirit. God's telling us that if we would seek Him and go after Him hard, that He would fill the void that's in our life. And we would be successful. But there are so many things pulling against us, so many ideals that if I just had this or if I had that, if, if, I, if I lived to this level or to that level uh, in, in the socioeconomic world, then I would be successful and I would be complete. And it's a false bill of goods. There's never enough. The American dream. What is the American dream? It's unattainable. Because if you ever get this, you want that. If you ever get that, you want this. It's never, you're never satisfied with the things of this world, but you are with God. Now, many people in our day are pulled to gain things that ultimately have no value to 
really gain the attention of people because we, we do things, we buy things, we want things, we have an attachment to things so that others can think how successful we are and look at us and, 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 and wish they had what we have. And, and a lot of times we're doing that to influence a, a people that if we didn't have those things would never even give us a second look. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but a lot of us are really concerned about what car we drive, what clothes we wear, the things of this world. If we were as passionate about a relationship with Jesus as we are about the things of this world, gaining Him instead of gaining them, it would make a difference in this world. It really would. Either I'm speaking Greek or y'all are unengaged, disengaged. Y'all okay? This means yes, this means no. Okay, I see a lot of head, but y'all are good. Okay. We, we have a passion in this world for things. Now, that's right in every one of our wheelhouses, okay? This text that I read this morning, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, tells us that those things which we are seeking, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, are passing away. Newsflash. Most of what we pursue in life is passing away. There is one thing we can pursue in this life that will not pass away, and that is a relationship with Jesus. It will carry into eternity. So if we know that that is what's going to make all the difference in the world, if we know that that is going to make all the difference in eternity, why do we spend so much effort and so much energy pursuing the things that will leave us empty and void? I wish I knew the answer. But knowing that simplicity of life was important to God instead of the duplicity of life and having all these things that God was telling us, hey, focus in here, focus on me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me, focus in on a relationship with me, and, and that will be what matters the most to you. We understand that, that, that in order to have simplicity, we've got to have a focus and the one thing that distracts us from that focus the most, or at least one thing, maybe not the one thing in your life, but one thing that will distract us from having true focus on simplicity of life is the possessions we possess. So we've got to say, what does the Bible say about that? I want to just read a few uh, scriptures to you this morning, and, and, and let's just look at that together. It says in Psalm 62:10, If riches increase, so if you're in a position where your stuff is increasing. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. The psalmist is telling us there is an empty gain. If, just because we're gaining in things doesn't mean we're gaining in things that matter. So don't set your heart on the things if you increase. Exodus chapter 20, we see where, where in the Ten Commandments of God, the last commandment in verse 17 tells us this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, servant, animal, or anything that belongs to others. So he's telling us, don't, don't set your sights on the things of this world. Don't set your sights on the things that other people have. And in Luke chapter 16, our Lord tells us no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Luke 6.20 we see, blessed are those who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. 
Verse 24 says, Woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Matthew 6, 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 19, if you step back, says, Do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So God's Word is very clearly speaking to us about the focus and the where, where, where we zero in and hone in on things in this world and, and that those are going to leave us empty and void, but to focus in on the things that matter. Where your heart is, where the treasure of your heart is, what is your heart treasuring? What are you seeking? What do you long for more than anything in this world? Wherever that is, that, that's where your treasure lies. And, and we, we see that Scripture is very clear talking about these. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. For not even when one has abundance does his life truly consist of possessions. Now, I think it's a good time to say this. God does not hold back from us and want us to be without possessions. God's not a God who says, you can't have stuff, so get rid of everything you've got in your life. That is not the message we get from when we read the text in its entirety. What we do see, though, is if your possessions possess you, there's a problem. But if you possess your possessions, that's not a problem with God. It's how you use that which you have. We, we've all got a heap in this room. I mean, we're in, a, we're in the most blessed world to live in, part of the world to live in. We're, we're very fortunate to live where we live, in the United States of America, and have the resources and the opportunities we have. Even poverty-stricken folks in our arena are, are wealthy compared to those around the world. It seems if you just do an apples-for-apples apples comparison, uh, we, if you've got a meal that you know where it's going to come from, you're next one. You know what you're going to eat next. And you've got a roof over your head. And you, you had a vehicle in which to transport you here this morning. You're in the top 95 percentile of the world. Welcome. So we've got a lot. Most of us fall in that category where we're, we're blessed. But if our possessions are possessing us, then there's a problem. I, I'm just going to cut straight to the chase and say this, and I'll build on it as we go. If we have, and we, many, many of us do, have a lot in this world, it's how we use what we have that really matters. Do we use it for our glory and for the edification of ourselves, Or do we use what we have for the glory of God? I'm telling you, God can bless us and will bless us. He has blessed us. He's blessed us with an eternal relationship with Him and, and, and the the. Hey, it's awesome that we're not going to be held by the bondage of sin and shame. If we've confessed our sin to Christ, He has freed us from that. He's redeemed us. He's brought us from death to life. We're blessed already. Anything else we have, we should recognize whose it is. It's not ours. It's His. He's blessed us, and we ought to use it not for our glory, but His glory. It should be about seeking ways that we can take that which God has given us and use it to the glory of God. So when we look at life and stewarding our life, that means that we have to think about the simplicity of life. How can I live a life more simplified? I can live a life more simplified if my focus is on Jesus 
And if my focus is on Jesus, I don't allow the possessions of this world to begin to possess me, but I possess them for the glory of God. And I use them for His glory. So, Scripture continues. If we read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. In other words, what I'm saying and what Scripture is saying to you is clearly this. We have to seek out what is valuable in life. And when we recognize where value lies, we go hard after it. The merchant recognized there was a value in a pearl, and he sold everything he had to go gain that because it was valuable to him. When we recognize there's value in a relationship with Jesus, and there's nothing that compares to that, then we should be willing to unload everything we have that is a distraction from us attaining that relationship with God. That should be our central focus. We should go hard after a relationship with God instead of confusing the whole issue and going hard after the world and hard after God. You, you can't do both. Remember Jesus said, you'll love one and you'll hate the other. One becomes a master. Something's going to rise in your life. So we have to understand the end goal. If I'm going to work in my life, and I'm going to gain, what is my gain for? Is it so that I can have this or that or these possessions or rise in all of this? Or is it so that I can take what I have been blessed with and use it for the glory of the King? And that, that's, that's where we're, the Scriptures are talking about. We're talking about, and you said, I didn't know so much was talked about about finances and economics in the Bible. Can I tell you this? Economics is spoken about in the Bible more than any other Social issue. It's the number one social issue that God talks about. Why? Because He knew it would be the one thing that went against the simplicity of our life. It would be the one thing that pulled against us so hard. Uh, we'll get caught in the trap. He, he looks at the rich young ruler. He says, what do I need to do to follow you? And, and Jesus tells him all these things he needs to do as far as living his life according to the law. And he says, I've done all of those things. And he said, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and go Go sell everything you have and come follow me. And, and that's not, Jesus is not wholesalely saying that to every single person, that if you truly want to follow God, you need to go sell everything you have and just come follow Jesus. But he was saying to that man, this is your problem. This is where your focus is like. Yeah, you've done good at holding to the law, but you have, you've, you've been focused. All your attention is focused on your things and and life, and, and, and stuff, and, and gaining, and your riches. So in order to abandon that pool, sell it all, and come follow me. He walked away sad that day because he wasn't willing to do that. See, Jesus hit him in that spot. And Jesus will hit us in our spot that we need to work on. It may, mine may be different than yours. Yours may be different than mine. But as we look, we, we see that we can't allow these possessions to possess us. First Timothy chapter uh, 6 tells us this in verse 9. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Did y'all hear that? It's not for those who are rich. This is for those who their greatest desire, their aspiration in life is to get rich. He says this. He says, for... 
But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Verse 17 and 19 in that same, uh, same chapter say this, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. In other words, life indeed is not being rich. Life indeed is having a relationship with Jesus and recognizing that, that things are not going to define us. I'm not defined by the things that I own. I'm defined by the relationship I have with Jesus. Either I'm in a relationship with Him or I'm not. I've told my son many times that, that base, the game of baseball does not define who you are. What you drive does not define who you are. What you wear does not define who you are. And if it does... There's a major component of life missing. What defines who you are is the relationship that you have with Jesus. Either you have one or you don't. Because these things are temporary and they're going to pass away. They can be great. Being on a baseball team is great. You can be a great influence to many other guys and encourage and strengthen and, and have fun and learn about team and what team's all about. Those are great learning tools. But that is not what defines you. And if it does, then you're going to miss being the teammate you could be. If, if what defines you is the Lord that lives in you, then you can make a difference. Same with what you wear, what you drive. If those things define you, I'm telling you, you lose all that tomorrow. But if Jesus defines you, none of those things really matter. They're just tools. They're, they're a process to get to a greater end that you use for the glory of God. So, so we see that God's telling us, he, he, he speaks clearly that we can't let these things control us, but we have to control them. So what is God saying? Because the other side of the argument could be, well, let's just all live in poverty. Let's, uh, let's go crawl in a hole and don't have anything, or let's go live a, like a monk in a monastery, and um, let's, let's just give it all up for the glory of God and, and deprive ourselves of, of all things. Well, I just want to use one place in Scripture to show you that that's not God's will for your life. Um, if we go to Deuteronomy, we find that, that God looked upon His people, Israel, and said, I'm, I'm fixing to fulfill my promise. I promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. And you're going to go in and you're going to dwell in this land. And you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink out of cisterns you didn't dig. You're going to eat of vineyards and orchards you didn't plant. But while you're there, don't, don't get so puffed up and prideful about all the things you've got. Remember the source where it came from. It came from me. I'm the giver of that. So use that as a glory to me. And, and when, you're, when you have all these things, be sure that you don't begin to worship the gods of the land, but you worship the God who provided you that stuff. And use it as a testimony to the world around you that I am the true living God who is capable of blessing you. But you have to use those blessings appropriately. So, so God's not saying, man, I just want all my people to be poor, broken, busted, and disgusted. No, God's not saying that. 
God's saying, though, I'll tell you this. If your possessions mean more to you than a relationship with him, you're liable to lose them all. I'd, I'd rather lose every dollar bill I've got and have a relationship with Jesus than I had that dollar separate me from him in eternity. I'd rather never have another dollar. But if I can take what God's given me, the opportunity to steward over and use it for his glory and for the exaltation of his kingdom and for the reach of people, then, then that's good stuff. That's where our focus needs to be. So we see that, that God is the lover of his people and, and he wants us to have a, a simple life. He, he wants us to shed the things that would, would add duplicity to our life and divide us and put us in double-minded positions, but we could have a focus of what our life is about. God wants us to do that. He realizes that, that wealth and, and, and things of monetary value can become prideful. He even tells us, let's just reiterate what 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17 say, the things of this world are passing away. And if you invest your life in the things of this world, they're passing away. You, you've invested, you've poured in, you've invested all of your life in something that's going to end. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, I, I see it, I want it. Man, I feel it, I want it. The pride of life, look at me. Look what I've achieved. I want everybody to be proud of me. Can I tell you this? Success is not defined in your possessions. I'll never forget, Al Wright told me years ago when, he, when I was ordained in the ministry, he said, boys... He was talking to a group of us. He said, you're going to seek out what success is. He said, do you know what success is? I said, no, sir. I figured he knew better than me. He'd been pastoring for 26 years at the time. I said, won't you tell me what is the definition of a success? He said, be faithful to God, first and foremost. In everything you do, you be faithful to God. Secondly, be faithful to your wife. If you're faithful to God in everything he tells you to do, and you're faithful to your wife, you'll achieve success. It will not be wrapped up in the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the house you live in, the things you possess. It will not be wrapped up in that. It will be wrapped up in your faithfulness to God and your faithfulness to your spouse. Now, he was speaking to men who were married. So you take that and apply that to your life however you wish. But I can tell you this, success will not be what you got in your 401K, what you've got in your checkbook, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you can build. That's not going to de determine success because all those things are passing away. The world is passing away. The one thing we carry out of this world <clears throat> is a relationship with Jesus. And if we don't carry that out of this world, we live in a godless eternity separated from Him. For eternity. And it's called pain and torment. Because every one of us will have to go and see the God that is real face to face and recognize the power in which he possesses. And those that don't know him will have to leave that reality for a godless eternity called hell. How awakening that should be to me and you. Instead of investing our life in the things of this world, we should invest our life in the one who created this world and has offered us a relationship with him. He has called us. He's offered us this. And so how does that happen, Scott? Practically speaking, how can I attain a simple life where possessions don't possess me and I'm living how God wants me to live? Well, I, I want to turn to one more text with you. You may want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, I've already read one text from there. I, I want to look together at verse 25. 
And I want us to see what the Word of God says there. Because Jesus was dealing with people who were concerned about their present reality of, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? They, They were getting worked up worried. And Jesus says, let me settle this for you today. Right now, let me settle this. All you who are anxious, let me settle this for you. The Scriptures say, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. So we should, we should turn to God when we're anxious, when we, can't, we don't know what the next moment's going to hold. He holds the next moment. Amen? So we turn to Him. So here's what Scripture says. Verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he will, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Here is the key to life, the next verse. All these things. Let's just pause and look at me real quick. Everything that we've read then was a concern upon the people of, of the physical flesh. What will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? They were concerned about the same things that you and I... Basic, basic needs of life, food, clothing, and shelter. They, they were concerned about that. This is what Jesus says, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is looking at them, and he's looking at you. And he's saying this to you today. You do your part, I'll do mine. I'm good enough to take care of you. I created you, I brought life to you. And for those of you who are saved by the grace of God... He has brought new life to you. He's taken you from the death of sin and and the separation from Him, and He has taken you from that dead state, because we're dead in our trespasses and sin, and He has raised you to life. He says, if I'm capable of taking a dead person and breathing life into them, I'm capable of creating you out of absolutely nothing. I can take care of your clothes. I can take care of feeding you. Now, now, let me just, let's be real. Because somebody's going to be sitting there saying, well, I'm going to sit back and enjoy and see what God does. I'm not doing a single cotton-picking thing tomorrow, but sit at the house. No, he says if you don't work, you won't eat. Okay, so let's balance all of this. He anticipates, he expects you to do your part, but to worry about it and run around in a frantic hustle trying to figure out how you're going to get more and more and more and more to please yourself, we could sit back and say, let me just rest in God. He created me. He brought life to me. He'll provide for me. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to seek first, not the things of this world, 
You want to have a, how to have a simple life? Here it is. I'm going to seek first, not the things of this world. I'm going to seek <clears throat> the righteousness of God, <clears throat> excuse me, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to seek not my kingdom, not building my portfolio, not building my level of possessions. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. And His righteousness, not my righteousness, because mine's filthy rags. I cannot get it all right, but I know who did, so I'm going to entrust my life to Jesus. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and then I'm going to trust that He said it, He's good for it, all these things He will add to me. And I'm going to be His. And everything that I possess is not going to be mine. It's going to be His. So I'm going to live with loose hands. I'm going to live trusting Him, and I'm going to say, God, it's yours. What do you want to do with it? You know what? I, that, the land that I own, the, the house that I live in, the car that I drive, the, the finances that I have available to me, what do I do? They're God's. They're not mine. He can have them all. And when we live that way, and it's a work for every one of us, it's a daily decision every day because we can get very caught up in our things. Amen? Am I the only one? So when we, when we come to the place where we say, it's yours, God, it's not mine. Open-handed. You take it. You use it. You do what you want to do with it. You've got a bigger purpose. If you take it all, it's yours. It wasn't mine in the first place. It's yours. I want to, I want to sit back and watch you be glorified. I know you're going to provide for me. You, you, you created me. You gave me life. I know you're going to take care of me. So do what you want to do with it, God. So let me just ask you, where are you today? Are you in a place in your life where you say, you know, I want to be a good steward of my life. And the way I'm going to be a good steward in my life is I'm going to get a central focus on God. I'm going to take my life and I'm going to give it to God. And I'm going to let Him lead my life. Single focus. I'm going to see the possessions around me, not as things to attain, but things to be used for the glory of God. It's His. And I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things that I need, my Father, my good, good Father in heaven is going to take care of me. I'm going to trust Him. That's being a good steward. So I don't know where you are today. I'm sure there are people in this room today that you really hadn't worked out that relationship with Jesus, you've got a good religion. And you know all the right answers. In fact, you can go to Sunday school and check all the boxes. But when it comes down to it, you're lording over your life. He's not. You've not yielded your life to Jesus and said, it's yours, God, whatever you want, you can have it. You said it's mine. And I got this. And today's the day you need to say, God, I ain't got this. I don't have this, Lord. I need you. And I give you my life. Because the best way I can begin to be a good steward is to say it's yours. My life is yours. Not just my possessions. When I say my life, that's everything I got. It's yours. And I lay it at the altar. Say, Lord, you do with it what you want to do with it. Take my life and lead me. I surrender it all to you. You may be here today and need to do that. And you know what? We've got a gracious God in heaven who will receive you into the kingdom, adopt you as a child, and forgive you of all your failures and give you new life today. And you get the chance to come and tell people about it and say, hey, I'm in the family of God, and we'll celebrate that with you. 
Others here have probably been holding real tight to a bunch of possessions. And they've let those possessions possess them. Can I tell you something? Sir, ma'am, you can let go of them today and you can be free. And you can let God have them. And you can trust Him. He's a good Father. He's capable of taking care of you. Won't you stand with me? Let's do what God wants us to do right now. Let's respond in the way God wants us to respond. The altars are open. We're up here as pastors. We're going to be here to serve you. We're going to sing a song, I Surrender All. Are you willing to surrender it all today? Are you still holding on to most of it, some of it, any of it? Let's surrender it to Him today. Father, we love you and thank you. Thank you for this message, God, moving our hearts. Use it for your glory. Do what you need to do with us right now. In Christ's name. Amen. You come as the choir sings and as others around you, make the decision God wants you to make right now. Good morning. Pray with me, please.
Father, a surrendered life. May your Holy Spirit draw us to that point where we recognize that it's only through surrender that we can have peace and joy. A simple life. What a challenge. What a challenge. Lord, bring your word into our our thinking, the central focus of our thinking. May we be challenged. Measure our hearts, God. Maybe each of us should take time looking at our checkbooks and our calendars to see what is the most important to us. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for what you've given us, what you are doing and will do through us as we seek you first with a great desire to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.